0: Hello everyone, I hope you're all doing beautifully well. Today for something that I didn't think would be very popular to be honest, but it turns out it is being really popular. This is the mighty Swedish dragon, and we've got Michael here to tell us about it. Hello Michael hello everybody let's talk about michael quickly he was a j35j draken mechanic you know this is swedish so this is conscript for a year 1994 to 1995 11 months conscription uh, i was 20 years old when entering the service 46 years today aircraft weapons mechanic on the j35j Draken, ie ground service getting the birds ready for flight at the start of the day in between flights the service was three months of boot camp and technical training the remaining eight months was daily operations and exercises doing the same thing in field conditions general background 46 years old swede computer nerd welcome to the club by hobby and profession so, Michael, what we've got is uh, we hand the questions over to you guys, the valued public. Um, that's good and bad. Sometimes they come with weird questions. Some comes they come with amazing questions. It's just luck of the draw at the end of the day. But we just ask your questions, which I've got here on my other screen, 35 of them uh, unfiltered. So we'll see how we go. Anything, Michael, you want to say before we start belting through the questions? Uh, no, just be prepared that I will digress uh, a bit and talk about talk about things around this and what relates to it. We love digression. So, we love nothing more. And I'm I'm. I'll do it even worse than you. In fact, I'll start off, shall I? So, Draken is an interesting one for me. I like old old kind of Cold War planes, as you know. It's just for me that's the pinnacle uh, uh, of, of of aviation. And this aircraft um, was introduced to me by my older brother. It's 11 years older than me, and that's where my, you know, he's what introduced me to airplanes, took me to the air shows when I was, uh, you know, single figures of age. And one of his favorites, his favorite were, well, what have become my favorite, so the Lightning, the Starfighter, and the dragon the Mighty dragon I never knew much about the dragon, mainly because I'd never seen it. I'd seen a Starfighter, uh, they used to come over to air shows back in the good old days. I'd seen a Lightning, ditto. Uh, but I've never ever ever seen a dragon in the skin before and so it never really meant anything and now I've been reintroduced I'm 39 now so god so 25 plus years later I've been reintroduced dragons. they're gone now essentially uh from service you know a long time ago uh but but we're learning about them again and I mean just from first looks I mean look at that that's a single that's just a weapon right that's designed to take off quickly as possible you know within engineering at the time and and shoot stuff down it's just absolutely how a plane should be so yeah i i absolutely i absolutely love the clean lines mm -hmm. on it i
1: mean you don't especially when it's freshly painted okay the Mm -hmm. one we're looking at now is yeah it's kind of scuffed Mm -hmm. and that's how they would look for a while but when they just came out of the paint shop Mm -hmm. they were so clean lined i mean for the first day if a plane came out of the paint uh, out of the paint shop we would take off our shoes before getting up on it because it was just so gorgeous
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely Um, the one thing i liked about this era you know no planes were not as good back then this is not as good as an f-16 or hornet or whatever understood but with the technology at hand and the know-how at hand and the manufacturing processes at hand i really love the single mindedness of this here the single mindedness of other planes like the like the um uh, uh Like the F6, like the like the dart, like the uh starfighter, just kind of fuselages with tiny little wings. I just I love that thought process that goes into it of no nonsense.
1: Yeah, and uh, if we step even further back, if we go to the, like the J29 flying barrel, mm-hmm. it becomes even more obvious. Mm-hmm. But let's stick to the 35 for now.
0: Yeah, that's one thing I'd actually. I mean, we we and the viewers are really getting into this. Why the Swedes? I don't know. It's just something. I you guys, uh, you've always done your own thing, and we've really admired that. You've always built in-house for whatever reason. You know, I don't know why. Um, you've always but you've always gone your own way. You've never copied anyone. Everything I know. You've technically married manufactured missiles and stuff, but I mean, your airframes have been like nothing else in the world. Um, for um, the last... So here, so here comes first digression. The reason why we were going it
1: going at it our own way. First, I'm going to... First, slightly historical. We have Mm -hmm. been non-allianced since 1812. Mm -hmm. That was the last time we were in a national war. I mean, we've been fighting in wars since then, especially in UN missions. But, like I said, non-allianced since then. They say Sweden was neutral. Well, it's not really... Mm. Not really accurate, but just not being in an alliance. Mm. This aircraft was projected in 1950, so by then the Cold War has spun up. Ever uh, mm-hmm. since the Truman Doctrine in 47, mm-hmm. uh, we could see we could see from the end of the World War that. Uh, the days of dog fighting appeared to be almost over mm-hmm. what we would need to worry about is high flying bombers and uh, with with the cold war spinning up we could see that okay i don't know if you can see my mouse pointer yeah yeah i can okay.
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: okay that's great so here on the uh, here on the right side we got the warsaw pact mm-hmm
0: uh far over
1: on the left we have the uh us in the middle is the in the middle is the big battleground for a potential world war three mm-hmm. so if you have played uh larry bond's harpoon game or if you have read uh, tom clancy's red storm rising mm-hmm. yep you, you know that this middle ground here the greenland iceland united kingdom gap would mm. be a keystone for winning a conventional World War III, especially since Russia, uh, I mean, the U.S. would want to supply Europe uh, in World War III, uh, shipping shipping stuff over like, just like they did in the in World War Two. Uh-huh. And the the Warsaw Pact will try to stop it, and most of the uh, power to do that comes up here from Severomorsk. Murmansk, Ultra. so they will so they will want to fly and uh, s- steam down here through the gap to get into the Atlantic Ocean and disrupt the sea lanes, and NATO will of course want to stop them. Mm-hmm. So. It was very obvious, okay, that the first thing that's probably going to happen in World War III is that the Warsaw Pact will want to move up their northeast flank here and just use Norway and Sweden uh-huh. to stage everything from uh-huh. and to keep their fleet base safe. And also we got up here, we got another air base. Uh-huh. I mean, up here is where you have the really big hammers for winning Sea War. Uh-huh. So that was uh, that was Drakkenstein. Uh, that was Draken's task. Get up there and stop the bombers that want to come in and do and drop nukes on us. Mm-hmm. So that's why it looks like the way it does. Very streamlined, it's all engine. It's lots of engine. Just get up there,
0: pound the bombers, get back down, reload, and get back up again. So that's his job, essentially. And We had a similar doctrine. We had the we had the lightning, I guess. That would be our equivalent of your Draken. And it was exactly mm. the same thing. It's, you go and look at it, it's all engine with a guy bolted on the front uh, designed to do one thing, to get up as quickly as possible, shoot a bomber, and if he can get back, bonus. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Mm. So um,
1: the reason why we keep doing our own stuff is because first, we, are a pure, we have been pure, a pure defense force. Mm. So everything we do has been designed to defend Sweden. Uh, which is kind slightly different than if you, like the US, you are projecting power somewhere else, then you have different requirements. Mm-hmm. But instead, we are fighting on home ground. Uh, we're using a conscript military force instead of a commissioned one. Mm-hmm. So everything that, uh, everything that we're using needs to be handled by essentially late teenagers. Mm-hmm that have had their training, and then go to war with it. So, Also, like I said, we are always having close to home, so range and things like that, uh, range and being able to loiter for a long time, is not really important to us. We just need to be available. We don't need to loiter in the area for a long time. Mm -hmm. So all of these things put together mean that we have our own requirements list. And also, when being non-allianced, I mean, we cannot really expect that, okay, somebody else is going to ship stuff to us. Mm. So that's that's part reason why we went our own way. We had our own requirements, and we were not in an alliance. But, of course, if we switch back to the game, change windows, War Thunder...
0: So what you're saying is the, the, the your doctrine was just a basic, was just a function of your situation. Yeah, very much so. Mm, which makes sense. We were,
1: we, were, we were squeezed in there between the two power blocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, either one of them would be interested in keeping the other one out, uh, away from there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: The standing joke when I was doing my military service was to call Sweden the stationary aircraft carrier HMS Sweden <laughs> because that's what we were. We mm-hmm. were a, a staging base where people would be able to fly into the uh, geo gap or down into the Atlantic mm-hmm. and wreak habit uh, don't don't think anybody really expected that Sweden itself would be any kind of st- of any kind of strategic importance. I mean, with resources and such. Mm-hmm. Then again, then again, uh, in the late uh, Cold War, there was a book series called Operation Garbo, uh, which is actually way before it way before it happened. Talks about the crumbling Soviet Union and how they might want to. Start a war against Little Sweden as mm. a show of power to get uh, rebellious uh, rebellious republics mm. in line. So, mm. and the book actually the book was finished. Book series was finished in ninety one, I think, and it ends just like it did in real life with the Soviet Union falling apart.
2: Mm.
1: So that was interesting. interesting. But uh, but the most uh, most important was okay, we are a staging base for others or a buffer zone. So we just want to people might come stomping for that reason.
0: Uh, At the risk of, listening to what you've said there, and at the risk of, um, uh, again, going off on one before we even get started, so do you think, I mean, I see that doctrine all the way up to and including the vegan, but when it comes to the Gripen, has it changed? It feels like it's changed to me, or do you disagree with that? Um, Since the Gripen got into service, uh,
1: Gripen took off in 88, first flight, Mm. Uh, Cold War ended in 1991, and since then, yes, our doctrine has changed. We have gone from uh, national defense to international participation, yeah. which, which has affected in that uh, uh, the C and D models of, uh, of Gripen, the next generation. I shouldn't call it next generation, but we have the AB first generation came in the 19s. Mm-hmm. C and D models are operating now and E and F models are just being fielded.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And yes, the C and D models were modified to be able to work better internationally, like introducing NATO standards in the cockpit, uh, pilots starting to learn things like the bullseye system, which we didn't use since, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're flying at home, we know where everything is, Mm -hmm. but uh, when you're flying internationally, yeah, Mm -hmm. you have to set a bullseye. Uh, so you know, so, so everybody knows what you're talking about. So yes, doctrine has changed and it has affected the and Like uh, also the and Sea, they got uh, air-to-air refueling, which we mm-hmm. didn't have before. We never bothered with, but now if we're going to fly with everybody else and everybody else is doing five, six, seven-hour missions, we would better
0: be able to sail off.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm, okay. Yep. Almost complete. End. Right. Should we punch on with the questions? Yes. Okay, a bit of a generic question here, but how easy was the Draken to work on maintenance-wise? Okay, we need to... I'm taking a note there. You need. We need
1: to differ between turnarounds and maintenance. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, sure. We did what's also called B, C and D service, but they were like the 10 hour, 100 hour checkpoints. Mm-hmm. Uh, But they were pretty rare. We as conscripts, we did daily stuff. Getting the plane ready for the uh, beginning of the day and refueling and getting it ready between flights. Mm. The uh, heavy maintenance stuff, like pulling out the engines, that was done by the commissioned technical officers. Mm -hmm. We as conscripts were not doing that. We might be assisting, but we were not really doing it that way. So that day-to-day stuff, uh, was uh, the uh, the dragon was uh, and all swedish planes were made so that you can keep that going by with conscripts but if you need to do any heavy lifting you need to send it back to the hangar or to the shop for a while that is handled by commissioned officers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but uh, turnarounds very easy uh, this relates to let's see uh, question 34, what was the minimum number of personnel that could service and keep a uh, Draken mission ready? Uh, for daily flights on at home base, we were usually one conscript per plane and one uh, technical officer per two planes. Wow. So three, So one commissioned officer for two planes and just one conscript per plane. That's all we needed to keep the dailies running.
0: That's very low, isn't it? this was made for it so it was again designed around the idea and it was this aircraft also designed around the uh the the um uh, sorry the ags type idea that we can uh, work you know on road bases sorry i forget the terminology now but away from uh, professional airfields yes it was uh, i don't know if it was from the beginning but
1: it certainly was adapted for it uh, and so yes this can use the swedish uh, uh digression again there was two versions of this first the base sixty system uh and that was the road basis the war basis mm-hmm. as we call them and uh, we might even visit one i'm sh- uh, changing streaming again
2: mm-hmm.
1: to because it's not actually not a problem to show you so if you in Google Maps, feed in Hagsholt. You should get Hagsholt Airport, And here we go. So We've got a base it... here, yeah. Yeah, so this is just a small part of the base actually. This is the main runway. All all uh, these war bases, they had a main runway. But if we zoom out, and or rather, f- let's follow this road. A nice straight road, that one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And what do we end up with here? Here's another runway. Wow. And this is about. This is from. Uh, uh, what's it called? Check. it uh, What's this called? Let's just call them piano keys. This is eight hundred meters long. So mm-hmm. That's a short runway. So let's take a step out to the west here. Look at the E four there. Mm-hmm. That's also very straight. Mm-hmm so yes we had we had one of our exercises on this base and actually somebody brought a portable tv so we could see in the regional news when planes
0: from our exercise was landing out here on the e4 mm-hmm. and
1: here's another stretch
0: yeah so these roads were designed especially near the bases to be used as these these base 60s or whatever
1: yeah as alternate runways Uh, Now this one is this one has been updated to base ninety standard, so Mm it has a bit more runways. Uh, But if we take a look around here, uh,
0: if we start following this road down here, what does the the number mean, sixteen ninety? It's the years when they were fielded, right? If you, follow, if you follow the
1: road from the main runway... Oh, actually, that's an alternate runway right next to it. I didn't notice <laughs>
0: that before. So you can't bomb. You can't conventionally bomb this base. There's no point. That's the whole idea, to spread out, to disperse.
1: Instead of being in a few... I mean, like I said, we saw the writing on the wall by the uh, by the end of the war. Mm-hmm. It's going to be nukes. So let's not sit in one place and just get knocked out by one nuke. Yeah. So that's the idea. We have five runways on this one just to not get knocked out. Also, you can see the readying places here
2: mm-hmm.
1: by the end of the main runway, but that's not the only ones. If we follow this road, you see this big square ah, here.
0: Wowzer. Look at that. And, and if we
1: follow, you see one to the lower right.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: if we go down here, here's yeah. another one. Let's go in and take a look at them. Oh, wow so there is a ready so there is a readying space for an aircraft and of course we, you could also mount poles uh, around this one to put a masking net over it mm-hmm. so this is all to mask and just let's not
0: get all knocked out by a yeah. by a bomb all at the same time yeah that's fascinating to see how the, the whole infrastructure i can't think of another place i'm sure there are other places in the world like that but off the top of my head i can't think of anything that really finland, finland
1: uh does something similar mm-hmm. they even for their f-18s have catabar uh, uh, mm-hmm. built into some of their road mm-hmm. run let's
0: see no I'm not finding anybody i right mean it's, a, it's really an interesting time to be doing this into because we've literally just two days ago had this what we're talking about added into dcs we can now have road bases for any aircraft anywhere on the edge of road anywhere and we can start making bases Anyway, operating from roads and stuff uh, a lot of people haven't seen the kind of how important this is yet but um i can see that you know and there's huge implications for what we do for simulation so mm. yeah interesting
1: yeah so the draken was given a uh, drag shoot for this mm-hmm. and if you i mean if you're coming down clean you can and really st- Stomp the brakes and pull the shooter. You can stop it in about 600 meters Yeah, the these alternate runways are like I said, they are 800 meters from end-to-end end. So they should and everything from that was built on that you should be able to use these so the big end of course has its thrust reverser mm-hmm. and creepen is so small that it mm-hmm. essentially stops on a dime anyway mm-hmm. so yes it was built for the doctrine of dispersing out in the, and we can link this in later on. You can find uh, base sixty and base ninety on Wikipedia, but we'll, we'll get to that later.
0: Very good. Okay, great. I like your. Uh, I love your presentation and your preparedness. I wish everyone was like this. I will tell you, <laughs> makes it so much easier. Very Swedish. Right. Um, number two, did you get any choice in the branch of armed forces you were conscripted into? If so, what contributed to making the decision to work on aircraft? Uh, you, the process of conscription was that first you
1: get drafted, so you have a day off, like two days off actually, when you go to some place and they measure and weigh you, see how strong you are and what uh, you take some simple aptitude tests. Uh, if you do well on the aptitude tests, you can get you can do additional ones. Like I was doing one called the, tele- uh, the telegraph test, and I did fairly well. So the major that then finally interviewed me and assigned me said he wanted me for the Swedish uh, ooh, what's it called? Signal intelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had heard some friend at work at summer internship say that, oh well, aircraft readying is a really nice thing. Okay, that's all I knew, and I knew that my parents live only uh, ten, uh, like ten kilometers from where I eventually ended up. So this is here it is, uh, hmm. F ten Engelholm former airbase now it's home to koenigsegg if yeah. you know those supercars
0: yeah were you the chap that was sending me the questions about koenigsegg or was that someone else i was somebody else okay anyway
1: so uh i essentially nagged him down and he eventually gave it to me mm-hmm. so in hindsight it would have been actually been great to go for cygnus intelligence because i would would have been given a university course mm-hmm. in a language mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i don't regret it it was fun it was fun to do the air force Roger. So, so yeah if they if they could they could uh, if they could they would uh heed your wishes otherwise they would just assign you
0: Roger. okay very good were there any aircraft you would really like to have worked on but didn't get a chance i'm not sure if that means like fantasy world anything or you know kind of swedish stuff so you can take that question however you'd like
1: uh no not really i wanted that particular air base and it was close to my parents and uh, they had uh, one squadron of biggins and two of Drock in there so they, i just ended up one of the drakas but i was just happy to be in the air force
0: Roger, okay, number four, what were your first thoughts seeing the dragon in the real, Um, I mean, you might have just grown up with them and, and, you know, thought nothing of it, Um, and it said it looked like a spaceship to me, and just before you answer, um, there's a really interesting thing, what I've noticed is that with me covering the dragon, this is the first time a lot of the, you know, next generation, the younger guys, teenagers, have ever even seen a dragon, And they're absolutely fascinated. But a lot of them think it's a brand new plane because it looks so space-age. And it it goes back to the idea of how space-age, because planes are what they are now, how space-age, the old 50s and 60s DSR-71, that might as well be a UFO. Concorde might as well be a UFO. Draken, UFO.
1: Yeah. Well, this is Mm space-age. I mean, it was uh, first flew in 55. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's just two more years until Sputnik. And, uh, I mean, I've been looking into Dad's old yearly chronicles, uh, years in flight, and everything was centered around space and missiles and jet
0: engines and going fast and going high. That's it. That's exactly it. And this is why I love it so much. The vast majority of fighting done nowadays is done by 90 knots propeller driven drones it's so sexist and i know war's all bad yes i understand war's all bad but still you know we're interested in it it's all done by incredibly boring dull vehicles and look at this it's literally buck rogers it's amazing yeah yeah
1: but but back then was also a time when speed when muscle mattered Mm -hmm. If you could fly higher than the other ones, you could Mm -hmm. outrun them. If you could fly faster than them, you wouldn't have any trouble. You would dash into your target, Mm -hmm. pound it, and get out. You didn't need to... uh, It was the hope that you could just outrun everybody else and get in there, Mm -hmm. do your thing, and get out. That was the thinking of the time. Now we know... Mm -hmm. Now we can send missiles and drones that can do
0: muck ridiculous... And still hit you. Yeah, it's a sad, so. sad age, though. I mean, it's even DCS is going this way now, where we've got, um, you, you know, we've got standoff, standoff, standoff on standoff on standoff, and yeah. our, our our campaigns that we do represent, interestingly, the you know the functionality of our weapons. And our campaigns have become now boring. They used to be cool uh, back in the day when we didn't have super long range phoenixes and slams and stuff like that. But now we just toss missiles at each other from a hundred miles away. Uh, exactly the way that the real world has gone and it doesn't matter anymore if you're playing dogfight or if it can go fast it's completely irrelevant now Um, sorry yeah but that's that's sort of where it gets
1: a bit interesting because swedes have all swedes have often been i mean we're not allies Mm. with uh, many but we have cooperated especially with nato Mm. and we've been called in to Play uh, oh, what do you call it? Uh, the Red Force often, mm-hmm. because we have been doing it our, our own thing, and because we are more or less bent on asymmetrical warfare.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: like I said, uh, our most probable enemy in World War III would be the Warsaw Pact. I mean, they're a giant, mm. and there's little Sweden. I mm. mean, we didn't really expect it; we'd, we'd be able to hold them out. But we can throw, I mean, we can throw clogs in the machinery at least mm-hmm. and make it cost them. So we've been often been assigned to do asymmetrical warfare and do and do dissimilar, dissimilar things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, so things like flying low and fast and using the terrain to do sneak attacks is something that the Swedes have been the little i've heard is that we have been surprising uh, our our bigger friends with that and mm-hmm. uh, that's why for instance the submarine HMS Gotland was called in to help uh, to help NATO's blue water navy to fight diesel and electric submarines mm-hmm. in in difficult environments because we're fighting in the Baltic Sea which from a Sonar operator's perspective is a nightmare. We got we got temperature gradients, we got salient gradients, we got everything that makes it so hard to find a submarine, and mm-hmm. that's our home. That's our home plate. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we we have, I believe, a reputation for using the resources to the max to be sneaky, rather than just have a lot of it and throw more into the fight.
0: Roger, Roger. Okay, very good. What was the Draken's primary role and what armament, ooh, now we're getting spicy, did you use to load onto it? So the version you had was the, so it's quite late in the career of this aircraft, in the 90s, and it was the J model. Okay. Yes. Uh,
1: Its role, like I said, it was an interceptor, uh, primarily designed to shoot down high-flying bombers. And for that, let's take a look at secondary weapons in the stream here. Hmm. So the RB-24 here, that's the Sidewinder. Mm-hmm. We got, for Draken I believe that we had the... Ooh, we had the B. No. Oh. There we go, yes. It's the AIM-9B. Mm-hmm. And we also had the... Later, we had the AIM-9J. So... So the RB-24J here is the
0: AIM-9J. Mm-hmm. Well, so uh, were you really using the AIM-9 Bravo model, which was pretty terrible, in the 90s, when the D- rest of NATO was using the MIC models? Uh...
1: I don't know if they would have put them on the planes in an actual war, mm-hmm. but they were loaded on the planes for training purposes. So they would keep sitting on the plane just so that you could try to get a lock-on with them.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but yeah, we had both the pointernosed nosed ones, the J models, and the glass-nosed B models. We even had a couple of planes coming back with broken uh-huh. glass
0: noses on them because they had flown into wow. hail clouds.
2: That's interesting,
0: uh, because the, the AGS that we've, we have in-game, I think that is a 90s variant. Uh, so the same kind of time that you were working on these, and one thing that's fascinated me always, and I've people have won't talk to me, so I got no one to talk to But they, you can only equip on some pylons the Bravo model of the Sidewinder, the the old one, the crap one, the one that was developed in the you know this in the sixties, fifties. Um, and I'm like, why is that? And 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 I've come across it again now. You've got an, you've got a J thirty five J with the same thing. I just I'd love to know if someone out there knows why in the nineties. It looks like in these aircraft you're probably equipping some sidewinder b's which are let's face it 30 years out of date by this point and pretty terrible it's interesting i uh probably like i said it's an interceptor it's
1: it's made to get up there and shoot at big uh targets Mm -hmm. that are not maneuvering you Mm -hmm. can see on the loadouts here up here are small uh these are essentially fighter rockets And here are the little bit beefier ones that if you if you feel daring, you can throw them at the ground as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, they are, like I said, this one is made to shoot bombers. This was the 50s, everybody expected that dogfighting was a thing of the past. Mm-hmm. And in the future, all you really need to do was deal with the bombers before they drop a nuke on your head.
0: Um which leads us straight onto our next interesting question. You've got unguided rockets there, and suddenly we're saying, yeah. hang on, I'll fight you with unguided rockets. And one thing I've learnt my first look at the dragon is that we launched, or you launched or were gonna launch unguided rockets. Radar aimed unguided rockets at aerial vehicles. That's right, wasn't it?
1: Uh yes, the early radars. for the early models, uh A B a b and d models uh the radar could not do continuous wave Mm -hmm. so it was essentially just aiming assistance Mm -hmm. uh it could help you aim the uh, sidewinders it would help you aim the gun since you had distance information to the to your target Uh, but they did not do semi-active that didn't come that didn't come until the I believe the F models.
0: Roger. Just to clear it up for the viewers, when you launch a radar-guided missile in your aircraft and your radar guides it, it uses something called continuous wave to guide it. Uh, so that's what we had a lack of then, I guess. Interesting. Yes. Yes, that is true. So, like
1: I said, that came in late in the game. So the D model that we have, that we're watching now, did not have that. So it could only it it couldn't launch the semi-active uh, semi-active missiles that came later on.
0: Roger, so um, uh, question. These these rockets I find it fascinating, these, uh, these radar aimed on guided rockets, how would they, I mean you're never going to hit anything with them, so did they have a whopping great fuse, uh, proximity fuse on them that just you know I honestly cannot recall if these
1: were only impact fused or if they were uh, proximity fuse. Mm. I and we didn't I never loaded any uh, live ones mm. I only uh, loaded the uh, training rounds, so, so I couldn't see if they actually had a uh, proximity fuse on mm. them and mm. even, even if they
0: had I might actually be prevented from telling you if mm. they had <laughs> I, so were you loading any um, any semi-active radar homing missiles then? Because I know we had some on some of the variants. Yes, uh, we did. That's the Falcon, the
1: AIM-4s.
0: <laughs> yeah, wow! I only literally learned about the existence of the AIM-4 uh, again by looking at the the Dragon. I didn't know it even existed on other planes. So what an interesting missile! Uh, I know nothing about it other than it's very small compared to anything else I've ever seen. A uh, great picture yeah. there. So is that a Falcon on the right and a nuclear Falcon on the slightly left of the right? Yes, they are. Let's see, 27 Falcon
1: and 28 Falcon. Mm-hmm. The, um, the beefier one there is the semi-active radar homing, mm-hmm. and the one on the far right
0: is uh, is an IR. Oh. I didn't know you had an IR variant. How interesting. So, so fellow viewers, you used to your Hornets and your Tomcats and stuff. So, on the left there is your Sidewinders. That's what you're used to, being the small thing. Now, look at these tiny little guys on the right here. These are your AIM-4s, which you would have had beforehand. So, that one on the right there is your precursor to the Sidewinder then, right? The IR yeah. sensor. How interesting. Yeah, sort of.
1: So, and of course, in the AIM-2 variant, these came with a small nuke. But we, didn't ha- we did not have them.
0: Do you know if but, any of these AIM 4s were fired in anger?
1: By anyone? Uh, I actually, I have no idea if Never that I've, happened in Korea or anything.
0: I mean, I've, you know, I, I not really for a living, but I, I spend a lot of time just, just Wikipedia type researching events just for the fun little videos we do. And I've never heard of an AIM 54 anywhere, ever, even being loaded, let alone fired. You know, and I've been through loads of, hundreds of events, but. Yeah. Mm-hmm. i'm honestly i honestly cannot say very interesting
1: but, but yeah these um these beefy ones they they look they look kind of stubby they do they fat, really do but, don't they,
0: but they look how small they, they are yeah yeah
1: but next to the sidewinder is yeah they're tiny
0: if you had a sparrow there it would go right out of shot and some and be as wide as nearly the fat nuclear one there that's how missiles yep. have changed yeah Yep. okay
1: well if yeah and,
0: sorry go ahead and
1: and, and imagine
0: a phoenix standing here then. Watching, well, yeah. God, yeah, God, how much that weighs. If you're at home smacking your head going, these guys don't know anything, and you happen to be a missile expert from the 50s and 60s, I would love to have you on because I'd love to learn about this. Right, we're going to move, we're going to push on now. Um, anything, yep. In fact, anything else to mention about the ordnance? Which is what the valued Viewers asked. Uh, there was a question about uh, the gun,
1: wasn't there? Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, I forgot all about this. Uh yeah the um, uh a the ABD models had 2 230 millimeters. I think they were the Swiss orlicans mm-hmm. or however that is pronounced yeah, I'm, I'm I, making
0: hash I, of that I never understood either don't worry Uh
1: let me just take a quick look here Uh
0: no 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 See, was that the Aiden? Oh, that sounds more like it, and Aiden would sound more like it to me, because we are the Aidens oh. as well. Uh, da,
1: da, da, da,
0: da. Who made Can the Aiden? Did you make the Aiden?
1: No, we didn't. I mean, if we made it, it would have been a bow force. Roger
0: uh yeah there we go it's the aiden the orlequin was for the vegan i i got it confused right well we all know about the aiden because we've had it in several other aircraft uh in fact the vegan has the aiden doesn't it It has two aiden pods uh i think good lord <laughs> uh the the fighter vegan the fighter vegan
1: that's the one that has the 30 millimeter orlequin in a flush
0: pod under the belly right yeah that's that and r1 the ags has two two aiden ground attack pods uh yeah. low velocity 30 mic yeah interesting okay
1: also uh let's see we and um, the once we got the updated avionics for the f model we had to
0: ditch the mm. uh, cannon on the right side you mm-hmm. can actually see the i think i can see in the in the in the wing in the glove i don't know what you call it on this but there do you see yeah. there? there looks like a gun That's... That's the gun port, yes. Right. And
1: this hatch right here, if you can see my mouse pointer, mm-hmm. that's the
0: uh, that's the ammo. Ah, how interesting! I will tell you what, I don't know anything about War Thunder, and I'll probably, you know, my viewers will probably ne- never let me get into it. But that model is something else, isn't it? That's probably better than the DCS model. That's really top notch. I'll have to get into DCS
1: and take a look at it. I, I'm going to digress now because I wanted to do this. As you said, you wanted to interview me and talk about the bugs on this model—the things that they got wrong. Yep. And it also relates to a question you had: how the control, the control, uh, huh, what do you call it? Control
0: lines. Mm-hmm. Control system. Mm-hmm. Anyway, here Ooh, is look a bug. At that. Why don't we have that in DCS? Oh no.
1: Yeah, because this is one thing I really like about War Thunder. Wow, Armour, protection analysis. You can actually do like so. I can take a shot. Wow. Why don't we and have it, that? And it shows me. That's boom. so superior. So I can try it out and see if I do a bunch of... If I hit like that, yeah. boom. Right through the engine. That right would be a bad day. But they actually have gotten... The control system wrong here because if I recall correctly, Mm -hmm. sorry about that flip Mm -hmm. uh, X-ray. Here they show it as running along the belly, Mm -hmm. yeah, got that, and out on the wing edge. But I actually believe, if I recall correctly, it goes down and then up and runs along the spine. How interesting. So the control cables run along the spine back here to the tail, and from there it distributes out to the various servos. Uh, the question was: Was it mechanical? It, yes, there is mechanical cables all the way back here, and then there mm-hmm. is servo assistance mm-hmm. for the elevons, as mm-hmm. we, and also back mm-hmm. to how simple it is. Again, I mean, mm-hmm. look at this: you
0: just got the elevons out here,
1: mm-hmm. you got a rudder, and that's it. Are those no elevons sla- one
0: piece, as in all the way down the down the, down the span of the wing, uh, or are they multi? Uh,
1: I, No, they are. There is a small break here, but Mm, I don't mm, think mm. they operate independently. Okay, can you put the X-ray on? Sorry, just. So no flaps, no slats, nothing of that. It's just combined ailerons
0: and elevators, and then there's the rudder, and that's it here's the first question that jumps out at me i mean obviously massive great engine you know, designed around a big engine why is the engine so far forward and the jet pipe so long i've seen this in some planes i just don't it seems like a waste of you know well I mean, you could have a big fuel tank there instead couldn't you i don't know i think that this
1: might be slightly misplaced this is uh, this is the Rolls-Royce Avon, by the way yeah great engine. Uh, but what i I think they're simply not uh, showing the afterburner because this well, one had yeah. a honking long afterburner mm. but I suspect they might have been placing this a bit too far forward interesting okay also also I think that one reason you would want to put some more weight forward is that you get a very stable airframe mm-hmm. I mean in the video you saw that the uh, Drakens did the yeah the cobra. well, what, late, what was later called cobras but yeah. Um, I mean, the the techs, they were kind of scoffing at that and saying, we've been doing that since the, since the 60s. <laughs> yeah. Because, because a, a a platform like this is inherently stable. I mean, look at the huge wing area you got back here. Mm-hmm. And then with the engine so far, far, far forward, you got the center of gravity about here. So you have an extremely stable platform. Mm-hmm. If you, I mean, if you flip, if you yank back the yoke, you can start building up a momentum so you can get the plane to start pitching up
2: mm-hmm.
1: before, before I mean, before the aerodynamics grab it. But once you have it in that belly first, uh, belly first direction, I mean, the wind is just going, to, the slipstream is just going to grab the deltas back here and push it back down again.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, this. It's not until you lose so much speed that you don't yeah, you that you must. get into into mm-hmm. the Dragons' infamous super stalls mm-hmm. that you have any tro- that you have any problems mm-hmm. with it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But this this form it's it's hard to abuse that into actually spinning out. Uh-huh. So so that's why that's why it could do the Cobra. It's just it it comes um, it's a feature of deltas, mm-hmm. quite simply.
0: Okay, so that's good. Now, we've got, obviously, no fly-by-wire of any kind. Maybe some augmentation in there? Are we aware of how that works? Yes. Uh, Yes, there
1: was... They didn't call it an autopilot. They called it a steering automat, Mm -hmm. um, which sometimes would uh, confuse newer pilots if... um, I mean, the steering automat was analog, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and um, the generator... Would be on a constant RPM, and there was a, there was a gearbox between the engine and the generator. Uh, what do you call it? A variable gearbox mm-hmm. that made sure that the generator always had the right RPM. Mm-hmm. But at a certain engine, uh, at a certain turbine percentage, about ninety-two, ninety-three percent, that was too close to what the generator was supposed to have, so the gearbox could become confused. Oh. And that would make the uh, voltage on the main bus start to fluctuate up and down. And that confused the steering automat that would make the plane start going up and down a bit. Wow. So uh, rookie pilots could sometimes write an error report in that to say, ah, the steering automat wo- went out of whack. And, every- and then people would just say, no, 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 no. It's just a feature when you have it at that RPM. Interesting. No worries. Okay, very good. Also, I think I spot a bug here in the model. Mm-hmm. You see these cylinders here? They say mm-hmm. fuel tank. Mm-hmm. They, they are not. Those are the hydraulic tanks.
0: Ah. But I was
1: going to say, that's a funny
0: funny looking fuel tank.
1: Yeah, the uh, reason I know this is because this was one of the checkpoints every morning. Mm-hmm. Check the hydraulic fluids level mm-hmm. in these tanks. And you access them, uh, access them through the wheel well here on the main, main landing gear. Roger. Another bug on this one is that the Ram Air Turbine is not deployed. Would that be deployed on the ground? Yes, because as soon as you didn't have enough hydraulic per- pressure, that one would be spring-loaded and mm-hmm. fall out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think we can...
0: Our vegan one, oh, one suddenly appeared in DCS, so when we're on the ground, taxing around, our, our little thing pops out.
1: Yeah, I can... Also, yeah, so that one should be out. Mm -hmm. Also, I think that when they made this model, they have probably done a walk around on a J model because of this little filler port right here. Mm -hmm. This round one. I'm going to switch to... Now you should have a picture of a smiling tech. Mm -hmm. And so... That filler port there mm-hmm.
2: uh,
1: didn't exist on the early models. That mm-hmm. came in very, very late. And if you look at the big barrel that he's uh, leaning on, you can see what he's loading isopropyl nitrate. Mm-hmm. That was the starter, sort of the starter fluid. There's a little turbine sitting uh, right before the main engine. Like an that APU? Or... What? Like an APU? Not really, it was it was only used to start the engine, mm-hmm. but that ran on this monopropellant. And uh, normally the filler port for that, you can see where the filler port is now, mm-hmm. but on that only existed on some of the planes we worked on. On the others, the port would be turned 180 degrees inwards instead, and mm-hmm. we would have to sit under the plane, stick our head... Huh. Uh, stick our head and arm up through the uh, ram air turbine hatch here mm-hmm. and then try to press that bayonet lug sideways mm-hmm. twist it just right and get it to catch otherwise we would be showered with isopropyl nitrate okay. and nice. off, to the, uh, off to the infirmary to get rinsed
0: mm-hmm.
1: because that, was, that stuff was nasty
0: so is this, I'm guessing this is how you start the jet rather than ground power to expedite uh, QRA uh, it would need ground power anyway, but oh, okay. uh, but it would, um, yeah. That's that's the starter. Yeah, interesting. Uh, and you can see the little ram that's popped out there as well, which is interesting. Yeah,
1: and this also gives you an idea of how small the plane is. Yeah. Uh, wow. You can see here that he's sitting on his knees mm-hmm. and almost still banging his head on mm-hmm. the. Uh, on the air intake there, on the glove, Mm. let me just go back here. So you had another question saying, how big is this plane? It is, it's really tiny. Mm Uh, if I'm standing up, uh, I'm looking into the uh, air intake. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. also made it a little cramped to work under. Mm. And, um, well, it could be a little bit of a hazard. In the, in the later versions, they added uh, a missile rail here mm-hmm. on, on the glove. Mm-hmm. So the uh, the rail would normally sit there mounted, even if there wasn't a missile on it. Mm-hmm. So some at least once, when I was working here in the forward wheel well, I would hear the fuel pump suddenly go, mm-hmm. and I realized, okay, it's filled up. It's time for me to... Um, take care of the pump so I duck out of the forward well head forward start uh, dashing towards the right main gear well and bang <laughs> there I'm sitting on the ground blinking wondering what the hell just happened mm-hmm. looking up and realize, oh I just put my forehead my forehead right into the missile rail fortunately I had my hearing protection folded forward so the mm. metal headband took that mm-hmm. but uh, apparently someone over a third that was doing it that was doing a time where, doing it at the same time he apparently knocked himself unconscious
0: wow yeah this is uh, you need dwarves you know what you need dwarves to work on this thing because it's so low
1: yeah it's like a mig-21
0: of. a mig-21s not maybe not the smallest plane in the world but everything's so low down compared to a modern yeah. plane Yeah, I mean, if you look at the pilot here, you can see Mm.
1: there you get a rough estimate of uh, the size of this plane. I mean, it's about eight meters
0: long. Mm. It's not big. Mm. Makes an F 16 look big. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Uh, what model have you got there, by the way? Oh, that's a Delta model, right, with two guns. Yeah, that's the Delta. Delta models. yes. Watch out. Okay. Right, well, I think we should punch on them. Um, we've already answered this one, but let's see if there's anything you want to add. Was the dragon able to operate from roads and small airfields like the Vigan? Yes, it was. And we've got a parachute, a drag chute that comes out of the back. And yep. uh, there was some other feature you said that could make it stop quick, and I've forgotten what that was. Uh, Just a ballsy pilot. Okay. One thing I noticed is it must be hard to land uh, quickly with the Viggen. You can slam it down a bit, like you do a naval plane. You slam it down, big, heavy yep. gear. Um everything's designed to slam it down and get a reverser. On this, though, it looks like you have to finesse it down. If we, you see the back, you've got those tail wheel. Um, you know, those those rear yep. wheels to stop you banging banging the big jet pipe at the back. Um, it doesn't yeah. feel like this is a plane you can really slam down and quickly. I imagine that's not the easiest thing to land. Um,
1: I mean, like I said, we're, we're trained for uh, short landings, mm. and for st- stole, uh, stole operations. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes when they came back, they w- would have landed on this small one, taking it, uh, wow. taking the alpha too hard, and actually mm. blown, blown the, blown the mm. tail, mm. tail wheel. Yeah. Also, funny, this tail wheel didn't come until uh, the has got the long afterburners. The mm-hmm. short afterburner, then they only had a little, like a little brass spur mm-hmm. that was sitting here that took the, that. That can have been comfortable to land mm-hmm. on. But I know at least from the. From the trainer variants that were old that were c models sometimes they did that mm-hmm.
0: I, I, would, I would take a look at the spur and see, yeah that slid along the stayed along the runway roger well it looks only about seven degrees alpha or something like that before you're touching them so that's a that's a thing mm. yeah but it's
1: also sitting if you take a look it's also sitting a bit squat
0: mm. yeah it is, so, so let me see from yeah here
1: so you can see. yeah,
0: It has a few degrees. Yeah, um, standard. Maybe that was to help it to take off or something, I don't know.
1: Yeah, this leads us to the next question. What was my most memorable moment? i am mm-hmm. uh, written the note, Division Commander on Ice. Was mm-hmm. the... and also you were asking about could this be done in any weather? Mm-hmm. Uh, we did operation in, in most weathers, yes. And this particular day was the first day after the Christmas break, uh, so it was cold outside. And uh, sure, base maintenance had been out and taking care of snow, but there was still a very small layer of snow left on the on the apron. Um, like you see, the train is, uh, the plane is sitting uh, squat. So when the engine starts. I got the division commander that day on my plane, and he starts up and he's going through the checklist, and the snow melts behind the aircraft. Mm-hmm. But it was about 10 below, so by the time he came back, about four to five minutes later, that had frozen solid again. So it was a, it was an ice sheet there?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And before he can get down to the uh, uh, spot uh, where we where we're readying the aircraft, he has to do a 90 degree left turn, and I'm looking. I'm looking at him and thinking, isn't he coming a bit fast? Like he's being a little bit aggressive? Sure, right by the end of the turn, he apparently puts on the brakes, (laughs) and I I see the wheels lock up. (laughs) Okay, he's coming sliding in a 12-ton plane here. And he had no control. I mean, okay, he could steer, but the the rear wheels were just going wherever they wanted because they were completely locked up. So Mm -hmm. I was just standing there with my arms crossed, thinking, Uh okay, hope this goes well. Mm -hmm. It did go well. He didn't bump into anything, Mm -hmm. and he just ended up a bit (laughs) off. So I had to stretch the fuel hose a bit Mm -hmm. to reach, but... That could have been embarrassing and expensive. Yeah, if he had had the other space, the one to the left then the big fuel cistern, mm. concrete fuel system, he might have run the uh, tip of the wing into that. Oh, so. More memorable moments. We were out on an airbase one day, not in wartime condition, not for wartime practice, but just we were just going doing dailies from one of the war bases. So, we had a rental van to get there and uh, that was the in the good old days when bumper stickers were still a thing so mm-hmm. in these rental vans there were actually bumper stickers saying hurts rent a plane hm, okay funny but what we're going to do with that mm-hmm. can't put them in a plane anyway or can we <laughs> Appar- apparently some of our mates thought so so when we received one of the planes that had come from another base and we looked up on the fin, we could see Wait a minute. (laughs) They'd taken one of the bumper stickers, put it on the tail of the plane, crossed out car, Hertz rent a car, and typed in plane instead. (laughs) Uh, Near start failure. Oh, yeah. Also out on base one day. The plane is starting up. And. It has a very characteristic uh, sound when it starts up. It's a sequence that, I mean, you learn it by heart. Mm -hmm. It's a high-pitched whine, then there's the whoosh of the starter turbine, burning that uh, isopropyl nitrate, and then the main engine kicks in and goes Mm -hmm. woo. Mm -hmm. But all in the middle of that, suddenly there was a big crunch. I could, it was a distinct. oh, that was a noise. That wasn't Mm -hmm. supposed to be there. So I, I sort of tugged the sleeve of the technical officer and asked him, well, did you hear that oh yeah he said so what was that hmm I shrugged that was probably the starter engine that seized up
2: hmm
1: oh my goodness but we're taking a look uh, we're listening and we're checking look out the back and see that the main turbine is just spinning up fine like still had to ask him i mean is he gonna fly with that oh sure he's gonna fly he needs to fly home with that now because mm-hmm. if he stops the engine now we have to fly a replacement starter engine out here and mm-hmm. and do field work on it, so he'd better get them back home now before... Also... So, yeah, that was kind of memorable. Mm-hmm. Nothing big, it's just that, okay, he's flying with a broken plane, but it's just a starter <laughs> engine, so... Uh, also, heads versus brockens. Uh Like I said, I ran into Missile Rail. Uh, Someone over at Third Company ran into it so hard that he got unconscious. Uh, also, if you look at the plane from straight on, let's see if I can get a good angle here, you can see that the main gear is not going straight down.
0: Yes, you've got a little bit of uh, counter on there, yeah.
1: Yeah, that meant that if you set this plane down really gently, the main gears would be too far out. They wouldn't slip in by themselves, so the plane would get caught wow. with the with the shock absorbers extended.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, usually, our t- if if it was the end of the day, our tow driver would usually fix it by just running that wheel over one of the. Uh, Drain wells Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that would bump it loose. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we would stand a few people up on the edge of the wing and just rock it until Mm -hmm. the shock absorber gave way and plane leveled out. Mm -hmm. But one time in the hangar, we were just taking the plane down after replacing the main wheels. Mm -hmm. It was stuck really high. So Mm -hmm. it was, instead of this nice, uh, what should we say, squat, it was standing perfectly level. Mm -hmm. So I needed to get the I needed to get that down and then I made a mistake of not checking under the other wing before I just grabbed the edge of the wing here and just (laughs) put all my weight on it and oh yeah the plane gave way and (laughs) sank down and then I heard bonk ow (laughs) I just hit somebody over the the head with a (laughs) fighter plane
0: (laughs) interesting little stories there yeah okay
1: very good so, uh, question 9, how big is the 787 bigger than Wigan smaller? It definitely is smaller than it's definitely smaller. Wigan is taller and fatter. Yeah. And it spe- especially has a wider engine. Mhm. a big Volvo, it, yeah. Mm. Yeah, but it's JTA JTAD, so it's the same as on the DC. No, it's not the DC9, the MD80s had the same mm-hmm.
2: engine.
1: Mhm. Which made which made us kind of miffed when the US put an export restriction of the Viggen towards India,
2: mm-hmm.
1: on basis that it had the Pratt and Whitney engine. Mm-hmm. We, we were wondering, why? It's on every airliner. Why don't you want? Why are you making a fuss about it for this fighter aircraft? But whatever. So we couldn't sell Viggen to India. Mm-hmm. Uh, so smaller. Uh, Gripen is about the same size,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, but more bells and whistles.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, next Next question, where did we get to? Uh, did you have any issues that you had to fix often as the fleet was aging, by the time that you were working on them? Not, nothing that we as conscripts
1: noticed, except one one time when, the, when we were starting up to, uh, a trainer. Uh, the SK-35Cs were actually A-models and to make room for the extra seat in the trainer, some of the avionics, like inverters and such, had been moved forward into the nose. And they apparently were a bit glitchy. So one time we were spinning up, we were given the clear signal to start the engine and pilot presses the button and we get click. Nothing. Then actually the commissioned officer, <laughs> he, it was amazing, he goes forward to the nose of the aircraft then he reaches down, takes off his shoe and goes full Khrushchev <laughs> on the nose of the plane <laughs> and just bangs it against the nose a few times, puts on the puts on the shoe, goes back to safety distance and gives the spin-up uh, the contact sign again and this time the plane
0: starts. That's an old veteran's trick by the sounds of it. Yeah, percussive maintenance. (laughs) Percussive maintenance. Very non-Swedish.
1: Yeah. So, but that was about it. Apart from that, it was nothing we
0: noticed. Okay. Um, Next, were there any specific versions of the dragon or or dragon, or was it produced in a single config? Lots of versions. Um, Anything you want to say about the different versions? Uh, There were several versions,
1: actually, or several configs. Mm Uh, AB models were the original and they were just gun gun and sidewinder ships Mm -hmm. Um, C model was the trainer, so they took the nose off of an A model and stuck on the uh, inline tandem seat Mm -hmm. Uh, The E model was a photo reconnaissance. Mm. Uh, but then we also exported this one to Denmark, Finland, and Austria, mm-hmm. and they had slight variance. We, I mean, we can go into it, uh, it's on the Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. But um, the Danes made it into strike aircraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, just taking a look at, ooh, they could carry heavy bombs, bullpups.
0: Mm-hmm. Ooh, and uh, bull heavy bombs.
1: Yeah, they received a jammer, a new HUD, and rangefinder and marked target seeker. Mm-hmm. Uh, Finland doesn't look like they did very much with it. Uh, Austria got the all aspect sidewinders for them. You were wondering earlier about mm-hmm. the early four sidewinders. Mm-hmm. Austria actually got the AIM 9 P5s. Hmm, interesting. So they eventually got it. We never we never got it that mm. far. Uh what am I streaming at the moment? Is it War Thunder or Roger? Okay. So let's see where were we. So there were a few configurations. Uh Danes like I said made it an attack aircraft. Uh we made it also into recon aircraft. But that's about it.
0: Roger. Okay. Next question. How fast were you able to refuel and rearm the fighter between missions, and was the weather conditions a factor? Uh, this one is a bit interesting because
1: this ties back to the base 60 and base 90 systems. We had a time limit of 10 minutes to get a clean bird mission ready again. Wowza. Uh, because as we. Now I'm going to switch back. I've done lots to... of
0: interviews with crew chiefs and armors. I've never heard anyone say ten minutes before.
1: Yeah, but um, like I said, we were expecting to get bombed. Mm. So let's go back out to Hagsholt. So these readying spots that you're seeing by the main runway, those were for CAP and interceptor missions, mm. and that's where we where we were um, where we would be mm-hmm. when we were readying it. But we would not be stationed there. We would be somewhere out here in the woods, mm-hmm. just so we don't get bombed while we're sleeping.
2: Mm.
1: So when we get the call, we would, uh, they would direct us and say, go to this spot and set up, because there's a plane coming in soon.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then we had about 10 minutes to get there. And then we would, like I said, we would ready the plane Maximum ten minutes, and then everybody would leave, except the final one or two guys that would need it to just mm-hmm. spin up the plane and uh, get it going again. But that was with the full. That was with the full uh, full crew. For dailies, like I said, it was just one conscript per plane, and it flew at most four missions per day: two in the morning, two in the afternoon. Mandra. So it, it wasn't. It wasn't Okay. There was no there was no stress there, but uh, uh, like I said, cap cap and intercept missions maximum of ten minutes. Uh, then we had to be out of there. Recon missions, and they would not be camping there. They would be instead be on these side square uh, mm-hmm. side spaces. They had fifteen minutes, and attack missions had twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. because those would be pre-planned missions mm-hmm. that's the supreme commander uh, ordering recon missions and attack missions so they have more more time but cap and interception missions you don't want to be on the ground you want to be up in the air being useful and shooting down
0: enemy planes so we had we had to do it quickly Roger very good uh what engine was fitted to the dragon so that was the Rolls-Royce Avon which is a very well known and well-used uh, uh, power plant, um, and was it difficult, yep. this wasn't your job obviously, but any stories about was it difficult to work on and or pull out? I cannot answer that. Mm. I have no idea. Okay.
1: You'd have to get a commissioned
0: officer for that. Any questions about, any um, any stories or anything you knew about the engine? Mm, not a lot, really. It, it did its job. Roger, okay. Uh, just back to that Wikipedia document. Can we just see the rated thrusts on them? Purely for my interests. Uh, where are they? Where are they? Um, empty way. Da, 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 da.
1: Yeah, Let's go it. to the yeah. There we go. Uh, uh, there was... we go. We're getting something. Oh, wait a minute. This is in the game, actually. Roger. I'm going back to the game. I think, I think it's said crew... Da, 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 da. No, no, it didn't. Oh, well. But it was... I think it was about 8 kilonewtons. Mm, no, 80 kilonewtons.
0: Okay. Uh, right. Uh, were you able to hear the jet returning after a mission? Was it noisy? What Do you, you think the avens were noisy? I haven't heard one for a long time. Uh, well,
1: if you're standing under on one... During an air show, I mean, you will want to put uh, mufflers, ear muffs on your kids. <laughs> but it wasn't particularly noisy, you know. was noisier, and I think Griepen is screechier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. It's, it's uh, the old radial, well, what do you call it, axial... Actually, the compressors
2: Mm
1: -hmm. actually sound sound quite pleasant, Mm -hmm. and if you go a little bit earlier, like the Goblin and Ghost engines, I mean, they're whistling. Mm -hmm. That's kind of pleasant sound, but um, unless they were doing
0: a uh, landing lap, no, you didn't really. Oh, you didn't, you didn't notice. The funny thing about engine noise is it's not always the most power that, well, creates the most noise. I mean, you know that, obviously, because it's going to stand mm. next to an A380. It makes almost no noise, and it's more powerful than anything times 100. But mm. um, the design of the the J79, the American J79, is the most noisy engine I've ever heard in a certain plane. Uh, the reason for it, I actually don't know. I, I think, I may have this wrong, I think it was one of the first... Um, uh, low bypass ratio turbofans, but it was very low bypass, very powerful mm. and very low bypass, so not much kind of sound muffling in there compared to a uh, maybe a, a Raptor engine or or a, uh, you know a modern uh, F-15 engine. And um, um, and in this particular configuration on the F-104, it had a particular intake that did something weird to the air. It was called the Starfighter Howl, I think it was called, mm. and it was so noisy. Just one titchy little Starfighter, not much bigger than this plane. Not making a huge amount of power, not much more power than this plane, really. But it was so noisy. But anyway, sorry, digressing into my own uh, things now. Right, (coughs) let's push on. Did you have a chance to sit in the cockpit, and how was it if you did? I noticed there's quite a bit of recline on the seat there. Uh, A couple of times, yes. Uh, We were doing
1: ferry, just ground ferry, running one plane from one place to the other, and I would just need to sit in there to... Uh, press the brakes if anything happened yeah, so did do that. I mean it's cramped like any fighter cockpit But uh, let's see switch here. There we go This is what the cockpit looks like mm-hmm. at the same time Everything above your
0: shoulders is transparent. So you got a great mm-hmm. view
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So a um, lovely little cockpit that is Wow, I like that. Just, just the essentials. Oh, you've even got a ladder for gauge or something. What is that? I can't read it. Hodge. Oh, God, I forgot my hodge's now. Uh, uh, what? On the right what of ladder? the radar scope. On the right of the radar. Oh, that. One.
1: that uh, those. Uh, those ladders on the left and right. Those are actually the GCI instruments. What? That's from, Yes, that's ground control intercept. Uh, Let's switch over to they had a setup of that for on the museum. Mhm. So the middle
0: panel here says mm-hmm. Oh, Uh right. that's, sorry that's yeah. Not... So this was the first plane that had oh uh, data link, and this is the, this is what we're about to talk about which is a fascinating piece of history. Yes,
1: here we go. This would be the gra- this would be the GCI station. Mm-hmm and they could send commands to planes mm-hmm. tell them where to go what direction they could even give commands like i mean a digital command mm-hmm. to the pilot that would read fast hard left turn now
2: mm-hmm.
1: so those uh, those tapes uh here are part of that system mm-hmm. so a, B, S, T is stone means distance. Uh, the one, Höjd, is altitude. I, let's see if I can find a better picture. So many, so ne- I mean, ne- if
0: it, Next time you're in your Hornet, guys, and you're you're looking at your Link 16, this is technically, I, you know, in a way, where it came from. again especially,
1: so biggins could do data sharing. hmm Here we go. Ah, I, VI, V-I-N-M. I cannot say what it is. Probably closing speed or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then the little panel, I don't know if you can see my mouse pointer now. Mm-hmm. This here is part of that GCI setup. So mm-hmm. you type in your you get you can read commands there and you can can type in who you are mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. But these these tapes, they did not oh this is a gorgeous picture. You, you gotta love night cockpits. A simulator. I'm interesting. Yeah, you can fly. If wow. you go to this museum, you can fly a simulator. I don't. Oh, was it TV? I cannot find it now. I had such a nice picture of a. Um, there we go. Here's the A model, wow. and you can see that. And you can see that the tapes are missing from yeah around the
0: yeah. radar because that didn't come until later until the right B, so B models, it, was, I so I it was verbal until we got verbal until we got those things added how interesting also the radar scope yeah. looks really weird there doesn't it uh this because it's got a, a light screen around it right yeah. you
1: know the yeah. you know Spock, you know spock's old uh, where he puts mm. his head forward, mm. it's the same thing actually, because mm. that uh, that screen, if
0: if there was sunlight on it, you mm. couldn't see anything. Yeah. Right. Okay. Wow. Look at us learning. That was really interesting. Alpha meter, also, right at the top left where it should be. Really excellent. Yeah. Let's see if we can go in here. Fuel gauge. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, speedo.
0: we'll See the speedo. Uh, directions. Hmm. Uh, what's the top pressure ratio? Top left. I'm guessing, but just guess. Uh, ye- left, 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 left. left. Oh, left that's right. Left. Uh, that that yeah. one. Yeah.
1: Uh, pass. I don't know. My that seems here down down here seems to be the engine gas temperature. Uh, oh, though. Yeah, yeah. Anyway,
0: we can mm. we can dive into that. Very good. More later. Right, uh, we should so yeah, excellent, good job. Um, was the dragon able to re something, reverse, and if not, how easy was it to move turn the jet? So maneuvering the jet on the ground, however you did that. any question, any response? Uh, couldn't reverse uh, could do, like I said with the division commander he did a
1: fairly tight turn, but mm-hmm. it also <laughs> slipped out because it was ice mm-hmm. um, wasn't too difficult to move, like I said it's a small thing, so um, not um, it got around, okay. but you saw the um, uh, I mean these I mean look at these tight spaces mm-hmm. that they're supposed to be able to mm-hmm. drive in. Mm-hmm so and in places like this i don't i never used one of these spaces myself but mm-hmm. i think that most planes can actually come in here mm-hmm. and do a u-turn and end mm-hmm. up in the right place mm-hmm. but if not they would just i mean we would have the tow car with us and just hook it up and push it uh, push it in More but but like i said that was for the long time turnarounds for we who needed to do speedy ones, you can see, it's just come in, stop, go out. Jump. Okay. Also, mm-hmm. fun, thing, fun thing regarding Ground Control Intercept, when the planes were in one of these spots, we would also hook up a telecable to them under the wings mm-hmm. that was tethered to the ground. So that gave the pilot a landline to the GCI central so he didn't, ah. didn't have to use the radio, mm-hmm. and that, was, that would sit, uh, that cable would be attached until he started rolling, mm-hmm. because like I said, it was tethered to the ground, so it would fall out mm-hmm. as he was pulling out onto the runway. Interesting, I've never heard of that before, to
0: have, have it like that.
1: Yeah, well, we're trying to hide, so mm. let's not make our presence known with okay. the radio
0: transmissions. Makes sense. Okay, And next one you've already answered, but I'll ask anyway, did you have any mishaps or dangerous moments while in the service?
1: Not really, no. Apart from, like I said, mm-hmm. bumping my head a couple of times. But it was it was fairly safe.
0: Roger, personal question. Why did you not join the Air Force after your conscription period? Oh, I tried.
1: Oh. I, I applied to be a flying engineer or pilot. Mm-hmm. I got to the second round of testing and washed out on one of the tests there. Oh, but funny. I did. I did. Actually, my dad had been in what was then called the Air Force Boys mm-hmm. uh, when when it was my turn of course called Air Force Youth
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it was essentially a three-week summer course where you could um, spend time and uh, spend time at the Air Force and just see what it was about so I was I was at one of those in just after I finished uh, primary school ninth grade and it was great fun and it was also part reason why I told the uh, at conscription, why said at drafting? I said I wanted the air force, mm-hmm. uh, and like I said, I applied to be a flying engineer, a pilot, but uh, didn't
0: qualify. So mm. meh, where it goes sometimes. Okay, um, this is purely theoretical, no restrictions, pure fantasy. What is your dream plane that you could fly? Um, we get some weird. We get some. We get some good ones. We get some weird ones. We get everything. We everything to answer to this. Uh, well, it depends on if you count spacecraft as airplanes, but it
1: would be fine to ride a Cobra 3 around a ring somewhere, like in Elite Dangerous. Real planes,
0: I would love to fly backseat on a Griefen sometime. Okay, that's fine. Um, is it the Dragon all mechanical and no power-assisted controls, or is it more complicated? So, we've talked about it, it was it was uh, physical link until servo, uh, power yeah. controls, yeah. That's, that's normal for uh, the time, obviously.
1: It was. We can put it this way. It was all analog. Yeah. There was no. There was like two digital units. There mm-hmm. some some for the GCI, mm-hmm. and some for the uh, air data mm-hmm. unit became digital. I mean the I mean measuring altitude and speed and such that was digital. Oh, but okay. apart from that, it was an
0: all analog, all mechanical plane, and it wasn't modular. Roger. This you know what? That's my kind on of a plane all over. Perfect. <laughs> uh we talked about this one. Was we'll the jet equipped with an air to air gun and what type was it? So the versions had two times we think Aiden. It says thirty mm Akan at the top there. I don't know what that is a Swedish word, I'm guessing Akan. automatic, automatic cannon. Yeah, so we think it's a pair of Aidens oh. and reduced to a single Aiden. Yeah. Yes. Roger. Uh did you do any night missions or night you know, night operations? Turnarounds, mm-hmm. a few times
1: we did that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's an old, it's an all weather fighter, and yeah, we uh, that was part of the training. Didn't do
0: it often, but uh, it happened. drum okay. How long was a typical mission, if you know? And how many missions can a single jet execute in a day? Was there a limit?
1: Uh, I suppose that uh, depends on are you flying
0: according to peacetime. Maintenance restrictions, or are you mm. flying in a war? Well, us assume worst-case scenario: war. How many times could a guy get up and down? I'm, I'm just, so many variables there; it's impossible to say. Yeah, but normally,
1: when they went away and did an exercise, in, they would be away for about an hour, up to an hour and a half.
0: Uh, and
1: but I mean, it depends on if you if you put in if you put in a reheat. I mean, you you got a you got a whirlpool in the fuel tank. But I don't know if there is a limit if you i mean if you start to push it and don't care about your ten hour intervals or such it could probably go
0: quite a bit uh, next question is about which missiles did you put on and we've talked about that the twenty fours the twenty four j i mean you didn't have yeah. any uh, and your guy didn't carry the uh, the aim four or anything like that you said didn't you um I we we rarely had to check them on, but I mean, it,
1: in in day to day operations, the missiles would just be mounted, mm-hmm. so they could be used for training, and they would be non live, they mm-hmm. would be not blind missiles, but not not live engines mm-hmm. in it, so they could um, just use it. To, you would
0: uh, they would lock on and say, "Okay, I got a kill." Yeah, uh, res- reset, start over. Okay, makes sense. Um, was there a weak point in the jet's design? Something you were told to examine more often prior to the prior to a mission? It's an interesting question.
1: Uh, not really. No, there was a set. Uh, there was a set point of uh, a set list of checkpoints we had to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like compressed air, oxygen, check the brakes. Uh, Hydraulic fluid was just once per day mm-hmm. there was there was one funny detail though that we always wanted to look at mm-hmm. and that was in the main gear Well, I think it was on the right side right here on the back wall mm-hmm. there was a g-meter and oh. that g-meter would be a, a, a Tapple tap- g-meter that would say what was the max mm-hmm. load during the mission.
2: Mm-hmm
1: because if that exceeded 7g the plane would have to go into an extra checkup.
0: Oh, wow. For fractures and stuff, for, you know, cracks.
1: Yeah. Hmm.
0: So it, day-to-day operation it uh, topped out at 7.
1: I know the greepman can do can do 9 without having to go in for any extra checkups.
0: Would the pilot get reprimanded for going over 7?
1: I have no idea. Probably not. Maybe. I suppose I suppose somebody would ask him, okay, why did that happen, mm-hmm. and if it turns out he was showboating or anything, then I suppose he would get a slap on the fingers, but I mean, mistakes happen. Modra.
0: Uh ba-ba-ba-ba. Did being a conscript impact your work ethic or effort? To what degree did you have to earn your way to being a dragon mechanic, or were you just assigned? We've kind of talked about that, but the first part's an interesting bit.
1: Yes. it. Sweden's philosophy about using conscript has always been that you're not doing it for a job, you're doing it because it's a duty and you are defending your homeland mm-hmm. uh, so to speak. So, I, I think, I, I cannot say that this has been an outright goal, but I think that uh, rather, it's, it's, I think it may be the other way around actually or impact your work ethic or effort i mean everybody that has been done conscription comes out of it with a different perspective mm-hmm. they know they know more about what is the military about why are why do they exist why are they doing that
2: mm-hmm.
1: so i i think it gives them a different outlook on why do we have Soldiers, why do we have airmen and so forth? So, I that would, yeah, okay, very good. It definitely, it definitely, it definitely changes that outlook.
0: If it's okay for you, I'd like to skip over 27. It talks about the grip, and we have talked about it already. And whether don't think we've got time to kind of diverge into the Gripen in and today. Um, yeah,
1: let's return to that if we still have the energy,
0: Roger. <laughs> 28, uh, with the J model being modified version of the. J-35F-2, were there any interesting or unexpected maintenance challenges encountered as a result of modifying the aircraft from its original design? Hmm. Uh, Let me just take, I don't recall if the
1: extra missile rail up on the glove, let me just take a look here. Mm -hmm. Ah yes, (laughs) yes there was an extra challenge you had to watch your head mm-hmm. because that's mm-hmm. when th- that's when the missile rails here on the gloves mm-hmm. came on.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, watch your head because otherwise you can run into it. Apart from that, no, I don't think
0: there was. Roger. Uh were the f- three months of training enough to feel comfortable to work on the jet? Uh, yes,
1: because uh, we would of course not be working alone. We would. I mean, there would be a rotation. We would come in four batches per year. So we who were just freshly done with technical training would then do the dailies with the older batches. And they would show us around and we would get the hang of it and uh, get the muscle memory with these guys. Uh, looking over our shoulder.
0: So yeah, that that was that was quite alright. Modra. okay. Um, Next, Uh, we've answered the next one, it's about why the doctrine of why you make your own fighters and stuff, so we've been over that. Is the maintenance on the jets difficult in the winter and is it still possible to operate from roads in the winter? We know you do have a proper winter over there, Mm, agreed. no, not uh, not
1: any more difficult. Just just dress up, Roger. But there's nothing. There's nothing that changes. I mean, you have to use gloves, but uh, it's always been part of that. And I mean, uh, we have air bases all the way up above the Arctic Circle. Mm.
0: Yeah. Uh, going back to the question that you just answered about feeling comfortable to work on the jet, and um, again, when we spoke to a conscript of the AJS. Um, his response was that the, the the planes are just designed to be worked on by conscripts who are there for yeah. you know twelve months. So they're is exactly that. They're designed to be worked on guys with three months of training. So the whole system is put together with that in mind. Whereas maybe yep. an F sixteen, for instance, wouldn't. But, yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, question thirty two is just a repeat. Was the dragon noisy? So we'll come back. We'll go over that one. Thirty three. Were you allowed to do repairs or remove more sensitive equipment, like the ejection seats, electronic equipment, external probes and or sensors? No, that was for the uh,
1: commissioned officers. We would be not be doing anything like that. Roger. We would, we would be safing the ejection seats when the pilot came back and also removing the safeties for them. That was part of the mm-hmm. startup procedure when we were handing over the plane. But we, uh, no, we would not be doing advanced things like that. Possibly assisting when the technical officers were doing it, but we would not be.
0: that would not be our main tasks. Roger. Uh, the next question is just a repeat as well. So what we usually do at this point is turn it over to the viewers and see if we've got any viewer questions, please. Anyone in chat? How many do we have flying in Sweden now? Non-operational, obviously, but how many flying in Sweden? Any idea? There is one. Uh, there is wow. Johan,
1: Johan 56. That mm-hmm. was one of mine. I have serviced that aircraft. Oh. If, you go to, if you go to military air show in Sweden, you are likely to see that one in the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is one in the US. Uh, let's see, I'm going to check on the Wikipedia page. List of preserved drawcans. There are a number of them uh, in museums, you have two in the UK, an A-model and an F-model. Where? I don't remember. Yeah, uh, Dumfries and Galloway Aviation, Okay. and you have one at Airborne Systems in, I'm not going to try to pronounce that, in Wales, yeah. and let's see, the US has... Uh, There's a Flywheel D model at McKellen in California. Mm -hmm. Uh, Two on display. National Test Pilot School at Mojave. Uh, Number of them in storage. Let's see. Mojave, Chino Airport,
0: Williamsburg, Mm -hmm. and McKellen. So at least we've got a handful of them out there. And they should definitely
1: be treasured, which is nice. But if you search for Johan56, you will see
0: pictures of that one, and she is still looking absolutely gorgeous. Lovely. Uh, Next question. Were the average pilot allowed to do the Cobra manoeuvre, or was it only for testing and special purposes? I cannot say. I mean, it's a risk,
1: Mm -hmm. and it's a high-stress thing. But I suppose if it
0: was for training, mm-hmm. makes sense. So, it? it's like pilots have to do spin recovery and stuff, and that's that's a dangerous thing. So, yeah, but the, that's the video
1: you saw there, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, where you saw them doing the Cobras. That mm-hmm. was with two trainers. Yeah, I didn't see any of them having the special spin recovery sh- uh, chute on. Mm-hmm. But there was at least one, maybe two trainers that had that special chute. It's bigger than the drag chute and it has a ballistic uh ballistic ejection to get it mm. far far away enough from the turbulent slipstream so mm-hmm. that it would actually
0: recover the plane in case it went to, into a bad spin from which they couldn't recover. Do you know any do you know of any other aircraft that have an anti recovery shoot? I can't think of anyone, but uh i cannot say but because i said that was
1: that was special for those particular two particular planes mm. uh in case they just for spin recovery training mm-hmm. but yes, that right. was
0: like an uh, optional extra so to say my okay uh from Tobin tv we have one flying in austria air shows as far as i'm aware well done uh mitch from sweden Cap question from a old flyboy to another. Where was he flyboy? What base and what age? I was a F7 every year from age 12 to 17. Cheers. I don't know what any of that means, but does that mean anything to you? <laughs> uh, flyboy, um, that's probably what
1: uh, it probably means what I said before, uh, the uh, aircraft aircraft boys. I mean, like the youth recruitment yeah. program yeah I was at I was at F10 Engelholm in 1989 mm-hmm. so that's probably probably what he meant and then I did my service there as well
0: yeah, yep yeah. says thank you brilliant right uh Michael that was uh you know that was fantastic you some of these some of these are quite hard I uh, some you know I have to struggle to kind of inject. I don't know what the word is, but inject something into it to keep these going. But you, uh, in a typical Swedish manner, were prepared. You had all your spreadsheets and everything up and ready. And it's really nice to see that. It just means I can sit back and actually enjoy it rather than worrying and, and doing stuff. Um, we've got. Uh, Say again. Uh, let me just see if I've used up all my tabs. There's a nice vegan uh, one I haven't seen before.
1: Yeah, let's see. Like I said, that's the night cockpit, and that's the modernised radar. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one we saw on the A looked different. Mm-hmm. Let's see... Yep, yeah, that's Rolls Royce Avon. That was the engine for it. Fill a port for the isopropyl mm-hmm. nitrate, for propellant. propellant. The flyable Vigan, the airbase, the missiles. We have the... Uh, we have a mo- more modern Sidewinder on the Vigan, I mm-hmm. think. don't recall which version it was. Mm-hmm oh yep Let's see da, 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 da. oh there we go uh rb74 it's the aim 9 l but i uh, would i would be surprised if they haven't updated that again for the one. Okay. so this one this the these green vehicles that's that's our vehicles the the, the readying personnel so, mm-hmm. like i said we wouldn't be hanging out by the runway we would be camped out in the forest several mm-hmm. kilometers away
2: mm-hmm.
1: but these would be our vehicles these mm-hmm. what is it j20s i think J- j20 jeeps mm-hmm. with the with, uh, trailers mm-hmm. so on this particular trailer it's the uh, fuel pump connected to the fuel truck uh, would also have compressed oxygen and such mm-hmm. Uh, another one of these would have a trailer with the ordnance, uh, missiles, and gun ammo. Mm-hmm. So when we got the call, we would get into these, drive out to the spot, ready the plane, and then everybody would just dash away as quickly as possible, preferably in under 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, and we did the, yeah, the strategic situation. Yeah,
0: okay. okay. That was it. Lovely. Well done. Thank you very much for that. I've got a meeting in ten minutes, so I've got to get ready for that. So that's timed. Even the timing was absolutely perfect. I learnt a lot there, and I enjoyed talking to you. So, I insist that you stick around in general, uh, generally, and keep in touch with us, and even come fly with us uh, would be nice. Uh, I actually recognise your tag, so it looks like you have been flying with us. No, um, I haven't. I haven't been flying yet. Any? Well, we'll get you up in the air. Um, any final thoughts before we uh, before we knock off? uh no just thank you for letting me babble on for an hour and a half we, we love up we love babbling that's what we're here for right i've got to go but thank you very much hope you enjoyed that home and i'll see everyone later